Yeah, just like I said. Well, it's always a little bit uh, awkward getting up to preach in front of folks that you don't know and that don't know you, so I want to spend just a minute or two introducing myself. Uh, as Pastor mentioned, I'm from New Mexico, and I grew up there. I was born in Santa Fe, grew up in, in New Mexico, went to the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque, and that's where I got saved. I was 21 years old and got saved in a fraternity house uh, on, uh, on Sigma Chi Road. And I grew up in a, in a kind of half-and-half half home. My dad was a Christian. My mother was not. And they argued and fought about that uh, constantly. We'd go to church with dad one weekend, and the weekend we were with mom, we would uh, not go to church. In fact, we were pretty much Orthodox heathen at, uh, at my mom's house. And when I was six years old, my brother came in, and he told me, James, you need to get baptized. The water is warm. So I ran to my dad. I said, Dad, I need to get baptized. He said, well, you can't because you're not saved. And I said, well, what do I need to do to get saved? And I prayed a prayer that day because I wanted to get baptized, not because I understood about my sin, not because I was repentant, not because I was sorry, just uh, because I wanted to get dunked in some warm water in front of a bunch of people. From the time I was six until the time I was 20, if you would have asked me, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven, I would have told you yes. And I would have quoted every verse out of the Romans road, and I would have been certain that I was on my way to heaven, but I was lost. At the age of 20, I began reading some Christian books, and God began to convict me about my need to give my life to Him. That it wasn't about just uh, saying a prayer or, or going to church, that I really needed to give my heart and soul uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And at 21, after struggling with it for some time, I woke up there in the, middle of a, in the middle of the night and I just said, God, I don't know what you have for me. I don't care what you have for me. It's better than what I have right now. And I asked God to come into my heart. I asked his blood to wash my sins away and I got saved that night in late January 2002. And because I had kind of grown up in church, it didn't take me long to figure out what I needed to do. I was called to preach just a few months later, and I went off to Oklahoma City where I met the uh, second greatest thing that's ever happened to me, my wife Andrea, and uh, we got, got married there in, in Oklahoma City, and then moved back to Albuquerque to be a, a pastor. I was there as assistant pastor for about 10 years uh, before God moved us here to Baltimore. You say, why did God move you here to Baltimore? I don't know. <laughs> when, <laughs> if you find out, let me know. <laughs> Um, we felt an itch to do something bigger. We wanted to do something, something uh, bigger than where we were at in a little town. And, and uh, so the call came to move up here and, and be, a, be a principal of a big school. And I thought, man, that's great. This is clearly what we need to do. And we moved up here and figured out in just a few months that this was not uh, a good fit for us. And so I finished out my contract and uh, resigned there, and, and so now we're kind of looking, looking to figure out what the Lord's going to do with us, but I certainly appreciate Pastor Shiflet, his kindness in on, uh, allowing me to uh, speak this morning. It's a, it's a joy to be here. I can tell you this, we have enjoyed, um, not on a superficial level, on a spiritual level, every service here at Calvary. I, I mean that from the, from the first one I walked in, 
uh, hearing the music and, and hearing the preaching and just knowing that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And it's been a joy to, to be visiting with you all uh, these last several weeks. I want to speak this morning on a subject that I feel like many have forgotten about. And that's in first, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read uh, verses 20 and 21. And I want, to, I want to speak on the subject, remember to honor Remember to honor. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Let's pray together. Uh, and we'll get into the lesson. Lord, I'm thankful for the privilege to preach your word or speak your word, to be a part of this service. I pray that you'd use me, that I would be out of the way, and that your word would, would have the preeminence, uh, that you would speak through me today. We ask and pray you'd bless now in Christ's name. Amen. Honor is, I said earlier, a forgotten thing in our society today. Unfortunately, uh, the word honor, if you ask most kids, they could not give you a, a good definition of what honor is or what it means to them. And I've spent some time thinking this last week, amusing a little bit about what exactly is honor. And although there are not necessarily three tiers in the Bible or three levels of honor, uh, these are just some personal observations that I've uh, found. But I, I do think that there are different levels of honor. The lowest level or the first level would be uh, just the idea of acknowledging somebody. That, that is an honor. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 32 talks about uh, honor the hoary head, to, to stand and honor somebody uh, who's more aged than you are. And, and just simply acknowledging their presence by standing is in a way, according to God, honoring them. When you salute somebody in the military, that's a, a, an acknowledgement of their rank or their superiority uh, over you. When you wave at somebody on the road, you're acknowledging uh, them. When you look somebody in the eye and say, good morning, you're acknowledging their presence in some way, in some small way. You're honoring them. You're letting them know that they're special or they're important enough for you to take time uh, to, to say hello to them. There is an added element of formality in a, in a greeting of yes sir or yes ma'am that honors their position and that is a, just the lowest uh, type of honor. When we give a certificate or public praise or an award, we call those things honor. And what are we really doing? We're just recognizing, we're acknowledging some accomplishment that has been made, and that's an honor. When somebody uh, graduates from high school, they walk across the stage, they get that diploma, they smile for the camera, and that, that piece of paper is worth literally fractions of a cent. But it's the significance of what's written on there that honor that they finished a 12-year-long task, a journey, and now that they have that piece of paper that really is meaningless, they have been recognized and acknowledged and honored for their accomplishment. But that's not 
the type of honor that most of us want. The second type would be esteem, acclaim, popularity, celebrity. This, this idea of becoming prominent in society where others know your name even though you might not know their name. The Bible talks about this type of honor that uh, it was sometimes God-given. King Solomon, he asked for wisdom. God said, you didn't ask for long life. You didn't ask for the lives of your enemies. So I'm going to give you wisdom and riches and honor. And God gave Solomon honor that spread throughout the known world at that time. Even the Queen of Sheba came and she said, the half has not been told. And God esteemed Solomon. God allowed him a measure of honor. Uh, but then there's also sometimes this esteem is given to a fool. The Bible says, honor is not seemly for a fool. As snow in summer, honor is not seemly for a fool. Just like they say in Texas, like a July blizzard. It doesn't make sense to give honor or esteem to somebody who is living an anti-God lifestyle. Amen. And I think that in our society, it's safe to say... We're having some blizzards in July. There are some people that do not deserve the public acclaim that they're receiving. And we're giving it to them. We're, we're misguided in some sense in that way. So there's uh, acknowledging and then there's esteem or, or some type of public promotion. And then the third honor, this is what I would call heroic honor. This is the, mo this is the deepest sense of honor that a human being can have. It's often tied to words like valor, words like duty, courage, boldness, bravery, sacrifice. This honor this comes from a principle or an ideal that is so firmly held in the heart of man that they're willing to go into battle, they're willing to stand up, they're willing to defend this ideal. King David in 2 Samuel chapter 23 is a, is, is a great example of honor. Verses 15 through 17. He's longing for a drink from the well of Bethlehem. And three of his mighty men run through the Philistine army encampment, put their lives on the line to go get a cup of water for King David. They sacrificed their time and their energy, and literally put their blood, almost literally put their blood into that cup. They ran back to King David and they offered him that drink and they said, uh, King, we honor you so much, we respect you so much, we esteem you so much that we sacrificed for this cup. And you know what King David said? He said, woe be it, I cannot drink this water, and he poured it out unto the Lord because it represented the lives of those men. Something that he longed for, but he chose not to. And I think that really, if we could break it all down, honor is just self-control. When you do not do something that you could do for the sake of others. King David could have very easily drank that cup of water and no doubt he wanted to but he controlled himself for the sake of others our pilgrim forefathers had this third type this heroic honor 
they desired a freedom of religion so deeply that they were willing to come across the ocean into an unknown land and live through winters that, that were unbearable with no shelters and no businesses and no opportunities. And they came here because of the ideal that was down in their soul that it was their right to worship God. Our revolutionary, our founding fathers pledged their life, their liberty, their sacred honor on this idea of freedom. The greatest generation, those who fought in World War II, I honestly don't think we know a thing about honor. Those men that struggled through the beaches of Normandy and shed their blood in the streets of Paris and gave their lives in the uh, islands of Iwo Jima, those men, and, uh, those men who went into the, the very uh, heart of the battle to fight against the Nazis and, and overcome the evil that was in this world, they stood because of honor in their heart. They loved freedom. That heroic honor, that valor that they exhibited is the third type. And God says in several places that we are to honor. We want to take a look at, at some of those this morning as we get into, uh, get into some of these. First of all, we ought to, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be teaching this morning, teaching a lesson, but I'm, I, 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 I can't. <laughs> We ought to honor our spouse. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. Let's take a look over there this morning. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered, giving honor unto the wife. Again, the idea is controlling yourself for the sake of her, for, for your spouse's sake, honoring her, acknowledging her work, her effort, her contribution, acknowledging what she has done for the home, for the family, for the children, acknowledging, letting her know, speaking, writing, doing something, giving her a gift or, or some way of just, uh, just the most basic form of honor, acknowledging what she has done. Ladies, Acknowledging your husband's successes, the protection that he brings into your family, the, the, the work, the effort that he puts out, the, the finances that he brings home, whatever way, you need to acknowledge that. You need to show him uh, your desire to see him do better. You need to uh, praise him for what he has accomplished. Say, well, you don't know my husband. <laughs> it doesn't say honor them if they do everything perfectly. Honor them because that's the command to honor. We need to uh, esteem our spouse, praise her beauty. Esteem her place as the glue of the family. That's a difficult job. And we ought to honor her for doing that. We ought to honor our spouse when we're at home. Uh, we ought to honor her 
and honor him, when, when we come together as a family, it should not be a nag session. It should be a praise, esteem, acknowledging, happy time. But then there's that third step. Husbands and wives and children, you need to defend your home. You need to honor your spouse and understand and recognize that Satan himself is trying to attack your home. He wants your mind. He wants your home. He wants your children. He wants your heart. He wants to destroy our marriage. And there has to be some serious desire inside of us that when we stood on this, on an altar, and we made a vow before God that we would have each other until death do us part, we've got to have an honor inside of us, that, that a will that stands up and says, nothing will come between my spouse and I. We've got to have uh, that honor. And then a second area that we need to honor is our parents. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 2, uh, the Bible tells us that we ought to Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. There are no less than eight times where this command is repeated in the Bible. Acknowledging that our parents have given us what we have. I, I, don't, I didn't write a book on child raising. I, I couldn't tell you that I'm an expert because I promise you I'm not. But I can tell you that some of the things that happen in American families is shameful. For a parent to walk into a room and a child not even look up from their video game to say hello, that's a sin. For a child to yell at their parents in public, that's a sin. That's wrong. It's not right. And when, when, as a parent, you should expect that honor. And as an adult, you should give your parents that same honor. It's not just to children. We ought to honor our parents, acknowledge them, esteem them, and sacrifice for them. Number three, widows indeed need to be honored. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 3, uh, the Bible tells us, honor widows that are widows Indeed, that lady who has, uh, the Bible talks about, she's given her life for the ministry. She's sacrificed uh, through the years. She's taken care of the needs of others, of her family and of her husband. And now here she is, she's, she's elderly and she's lost her husband and she's a widow indeed. You know what she deserves? Some respect, some honor, some esteem, some attention, some gifts, some... some uh, some letters, some type of service. Widows should have their lawns mowed for them. Widows indeed should have meals brought to the house. Widows indeed should get cards in the mail of encouragement. Widows indeed should have some type of honor given to them by the church. Nowhere in the scriptures is the widow's uh, care given to the government. It's the church's job to care for the widows indeed. Number four, we ought to honor our employer. The Bible tells us uh, the book, let's see here if I can find my, my spot here. 
1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Servants are to honor their bosses. The Bible would later on, I think it's in 1 Peter chapter 2, tells us that we're not just to honor those that are good, but those that are forward as well. It's not, this is a tough pill to swallow. But we are to honor our employer, honor the one that has their name on our paycheck. We ought to recognize them by calling them sir or ma'am. We ought to let them know that we're part of the team. We're not in it for ourselves. We're working to help the cause or whatever company that you're working for. It's difficult sometimes when the boss is, is upset or frustrated or the boss doesn't necessarily do what's right. It's tough to honor them. I can tell you it's difficult. But that doesn't change the command. It's not honor them when everything goes your way. We ought to acknowledge them, esteem them, and we ought to fight for them. Number five, we ought to honor the king. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 17. 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us this. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And here I, I feel like we need to go a little bit off script because we don't have a king. Thank God we don't have a king. Do you realize what we do have in this country? The freedom, the republic, the constitution. That's the result of blood spilt by men who had honor in their core. We don't have a king. We have elected representatives. Well, thank God for that. Thank God for the fact that we have civility in our form of government. There's no cruelty. We talk about being oppressed. We're not oppressed in this country. And thank God for it. We might not have a perfect form of government, but we ought to, by all means, honor those that are elected over us. Whether that's President Trump or President Obama. Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. That's a command. We ought to honor those above us. This country deserves some honor. Those in office deserve honor. Those in uniform deserve honor. Those police officers deserve honor. Those soldiers, those airmen, those marines, those navy men, they deserve honor. This flag deserves honor. whether that's just simply acknowledging it by standing up tall and putting your hand over your heart when the national anthem is played, we ought to honor this country that we have. 
We ought not forget about those men that gave their lives so that you and I could go to the grocery store in freedom and drive our car down the streets in freedom and go out to eat at restaurants in freedom and go out on vacation in freedom. We ought to not just enjoy our freedom. We ought to respect it. We ought to love it. We ought to honor it. We ought to be thankful for this country that we have. We ought to acknowledge the fact that God gave us this country. The blessings that we experience, the greatness that this country is, it comes from a spiritual heritage. When our forefathers landed on Plymouth Rock, they came with a desire to, to serve God freely. And this nation was built on the foundation, the bedrock of the Bible. And we ought to be thankful for that and honor the spiritual heritage that we have. We shouldn't just cowtail and bend down when the liberals tell us that this country was never great. That's garbage. That's trash. This country is not great because we're great people. This country is great because it had a great foundation. And we ought to stand up tall and, 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 and just be thrilled to death that we get to live in this country. We, do, we ought to esteem the national anthem and the veterans and, and those that have given their lives. We ought to esteem the widows of those soldiers. We ought to be thankful. And we ought to defend this country. The way of life that we enjoy, the Christian way of life that we enjoy, the freedom, we ought to defend it because it's under attack. We need some, some men and women who will pray fervently with heroic honor, with valor. We need to pray with a desire, a sincere understanding of the attack that is going on in our country and pray, God, please forgive us. God, please give us your grace. Last of all, we need to honor God. We need to, Revelation chapter 4, the Bible tells us, verse number 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. God deserves acknowledgement. And all Thy ways, acknowledge Him. Knowledge is when you know something is there. Acknowledging is when you voice that you know something is there. When you publicly give praise to God, when you tell somebody, God did that for me, you are acknowledging God, you're honoring God, and that's something you need to do. We need to honor Him with our tithes. The Bible says. That money is in your pocket and it's in your bank account, but it's not yours. We need to honor God, acknowledging Him with our service. We need to praise Him, esteem Him, glorify Him, sing to Him, talk about Him, worship Him. We should not lose the awe of our salvation. And last of all, we need to stand up and be counted for God. We need to valiantly defend. If somebody takes the name of the Lord in vain, we should say something. I'm not saying you've got to be a jerk. You don't have to be rude to somebody. But by all means, don't allow his name to be trampled in our presence and just walk on like nothing happened. Where is our honor? We need to remember to honor.
Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're thankful for your grace. Pray that you'd please use this lesson to remind us, Lord, we all fall short. I know I have fallen short in, in every single one of these areas. And we need desperately to remember to honor. And we pray and ask that you'd help us to do that now in Christ's name. Amen.